0: A special day. We want to welcome you guys. If you were visiting with us, uh, as Jake said, you you came on a special day. So you get to see a part of our church that's very near and dear uh, to many of our hearts. And uh, I know a lot of us, when we uh, became Christians, was the time in the church when we were sending out churches all over the world and. We we had either had friends that were going, or we ourselves were going, or we were wanting to go, or we were praying and giving and helping. And uh, I'm super proud uh, of our churches, even in the last um, 30 or 40 years, to be able to send out hundreds and hundreds of churches uh, all around the world. And to know that uh, that's part of our DNA, that's part of our heart. Uh, We give almost 20% of our uh, revenue that we collect here, we give to missions every single year and have for 25 years because we really have that uh, as a part of our heart. And if you're here, we're not, if you're visiting, we're not here to get your money, so you can just relax, just enjoy. Uh, This is really for the members, so so don't worry about that. We're not going to pass the plate two and three times or anything like that. It's going to go by one time, and you can do what you uh, are, are, are moved to do there. Uh, but we are—we're really honored to be able to help out uh, for the past few years. Daniela and I have been here to be able to join in the work uh, to help the churches in the Middle East, and it's probably one of the, to me, one of the most fun churches to be able to help out because there's a lot of action, there's a lot of stuff going on. You see it in the news all the time, and we get to really be a part of the cutting edge. Uh, of Christianity around the world. And uh, we're we're excited to have you here. I do want to say a special shout out to our friends who are visiting, Joe and Sarah Eves, uh, who are here from Long Beach here, there in the back. And, uh, you know, they're elder, he's an elder and elder's wife in the Long Beach Church. And uh, I'm really inspired to have them here and just His Heart for Missions, when they were sending out the Long Beach Church, they were kind of restarting that church a a few months ago. And just to see his zeal for that, he reminded me of a a modern-day Caleb. He wasn't as old as Caleb, but he had that same spirit of, hey, send me. I want to go. You know, I want to do something great for God uh, in this time of my life. So we're happy to have you guys here and uh, pray uh, for the churches in L.A. all the time. So uh, last this. I don't think I have the uh, the clicker up here for some reason. But uh Friday night we had a time with our teenagers and that wasn't that wasn't go go Josh that wasn't your fault. He did give it to me. I just didn't didn't grab it. Uh Friday night we had an amazing time with these these people and uh the seniors in the church and it was amazing that in a church this size that we have 12 graduating seniors in high school this year, and uh, and as we were talking about the mission and looking around the room at those uh, adults now, I guess I should say, they have been our mission as a church for the past 18 years, right, to see some of them friends when they were kids and grow up together and even the kids were crying in the, during the sharing this time, and it was moving uh, to really know that it's not about the mission out there only, but it's about the mission in here too. And for those of us with kids, there's nothing more precious to our souls than our kids in helping them to become Christians and fighting for them and praying for them. And so my heart today is you don't just get excited to give to the Middle East, but you get excited for your own life. You get excited for your neighbors and for your friends and your family. And uh, as we get started here, let's start off with a word of prayer. Uh, Father, we thank you so much for the love that you've given us. Uh, we thank you for this time today. I pray that you open up our hearts, God, that you help us to connect with you and your mission and the passion that you share for this lost world. God, that you, 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 you've given up everything for us. And God, I pray we can be inspired uh, to love our neighbors, to to reach out, to love one another, and help as many people as possible know you, God. We love you. Uh, get me out of the way and help us to open up our hearts at this time. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. And this past week was quite interesting uh, as as I went around my neighborhood for missions. And uh, I told you guys last week we, I was raffling off a uh, dinner for two and going you know, house by house in my neighborhood for a few hours this week, and it was probably one of the most difficult, awkward, and humbling things that I've done in a long time. I'm standing at the door and just feeling like a college student begging for money. And it was so, it was it was embarrassing. And and, and talking to people, and you know, I was reminded of the great cause that I was doing it for, and, and inspired, and 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 a lot of people didn't really care about the Middle East, about the Christians in the Middle East, but they cared about the raffle. (laughs) You know, I mentioned the raffle and they got excited. I mentioned the Christians and it was kind of crickets sometimes. But it was amazing uh, to be able to go around and meet many neighbors. There was a number of neighbors that were super nice, probably seven or eight of them that were really friendly. They invited me into their house. Uh, I got to share with them, and, you know, one neighbor in particular, you know, I woke him up from, uh, he was asleep, it was like 6 o'clock in the evening, so he didn't want to tell me that he was asleep, probably because he was embarrassed, sleeping in the middle of the day, and, uh, but he was really rude, and I was like, what's going on here? I thought we were friends, you know, and he's like, hey, I can't really talk right now, I just, you know, I'll talk to you later, and it was very abrupt, and I left just feeling like, wow, that was so awkward. Uh, I, I don't even want to see him at the gym next time I see him. And, and so Connor saw the guy at the gym because we both know him. And, it, you know, he told Connor that he was asleep. And he, I ran into him the next morning as he was out walking. He says, oh, I'm really sorry. I really have a heart for the Christians in the Middle East. I want to give you a check for $50. Who do I make it out to? And it was just amazing that sometimes we can jump to the worst conclusions and think that people don't like us, and they're anti-Jesus, and they're just having a bad day sometimes. And it, we're not being persecuted. They, 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 there are people out there, and I was encouraged. There's a family that lives behind us. Their daughter goes to Chloe's school, and they've been looking for a church, and just getting to talk to them and just realize, wow, it's taken me. They've been here for a year, and they live right behind me, and I'm just now meeting them. And I was grateful for the opportunity. I made a grand total of $166, which uh, you can clap if you want, but that was the hardest $166 I've ever made. Uh, but it was amazing because as I was talking to them about the Middle East, it was also we were talking about their faith and we were connecting with. So it, it was my personal mission here. And that's what I really want us to leave here today is not just saying, oh, that was a great service for the Middle East and the Inland Empire, but really to be inspired for your own mission. You know, if you are excited about a global mission and you don't have a personal mission of your own, that's called giving to charity. That's called giving to other people that they could go do good things, but us not really doing it. That's not a good thing. We don't want to do that as a church, right? But if also if we have a personal mission without a global mission, that's not very inspiring, right? If it's just about our block and our school, and it's not about winning the world, you know, it's amazing how Jesus combined both. That He was about His personal mission and God's mission for the entire world. And my point, this is my only point for the day: the heart and joy of God's mission and message. That God has a heart for the, his mission and his message for the entire world. This is what he lives and breathes and dies for and, and is inspired about. And, and the message is simple. God loves you. That's the message. From the beginning to the Bible to the end of the Bible, the message that God is telling people is God loves you. He doesn't just love the world. He doesn't just love this group of people or that group of people, but he loves you personally. And sometimes in the church we can react negatively about that. You know, God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son because so many people don't really live that out. And it's known as the Super Bowl verse and that our country is filled with hypocrisy. And many of us grew up going to church and seeing that and realizing that the message that God wants us to give To the Middle East, to the Inland Empire, and to ourselves, is that God loves you. It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter what you've been through. It doesn't matter how much you've sinned. He still loves you. He still will do anything for you. He still will cross the world for you. You know, and I was particularly inspired at our little event on Friday uh, by Paul Russell. And uh, where's Paul? There he is. He doesn't know I was going to be sharing this. Uh, but you know, by his passion for his kids is inspiring. You know, I know Paul Gary graduated from Yucca High School, and then they spent all kinds of money to send him to some kind of finishing school so that he could have just an opportunity to get in to a military academy. And praise God, he did. He got into West Point. And I was just inspired by his passion. And now his, his, his nephew, Jacob, who's kind of like his son, uh, he helped him to get into a fire uh, school in, in Texas, a federal firefighter program, and, and just, you know, and then he's paying for that, too. And it just hit me. I was like, you know, it's not about the money, but it's about the passion. It's about the heart. You could have a rich dad, they could pay for your school, but if you never hang out with them, it doesn't mean much. Right. You know, and I know that Paul's not rich. and I know, But I know that he sacrificed for his kids. Yeah. And that whether they appreciate it fully now or not, someday they're going to look back and go, oh my gosh, I can't believe they did that. Yeah, amen. That's how we feel when we have kids. They're going off to college we're like, wow, I can't believe our parents did that. But it, and today, I pray you have that same feeling that it's not about the money, but it's about the sacrifice. It's about the love. It's about the passion that you have for God, that you have for your brothers and sisters in the Middle East. And I was inspired this week. Uh, the world was captivated by an event. You know what it was? Yes. The Royal Wedding. Yes. Uh, we had people in here that were even, got up at 3 in the morning to uh, do that. Don and the girls and Chloe. Anybody else get up at three in the morning to watch this thing? Oh, Susan! Way to go. She didn't want to admit it. Abraham, you did too, huh? That's awesome. And we were just inspired by this prince and princess and how they got together and how they were part of the royal family and all this history and they get to uh, live happily ever after. That's what it is, right? We grew up with that, the Disney movies and the princess, and we want to live happily ever after, too. What a historic event. Breaking down racial barriers in the royal family, right? She's half black and half white. She's divorced and still welcomed into the family. You know, she she looked beautiful, but her dress was just kind of simple. It wasn't all ornate and I'm better than you, I'm richer than you. It was just kind of pretty and... Plain. That's what I hear anyway. I don't know about dresses. (laughs) And so, what I realized is that the reason that people want to watch that is because that's what they want. They want to be loved. They want to live happily ever after. They want to have live the dream that they've lived their entire lives. That they'll get up at three in the morning. That newscasters that are all the time talking about killings and murders and all kinds of bad stuff will take the time to talk about this beautiful wedding. And the quote was, you know, uh, something like, this wedding will change the world. And I sat there thinking to myself and I said, really? (laughs) I mean, Prince Charles and Prince Diana, they got married when I was about Chloe's age or something. But it didn't change my life. It didn't change the divorce statistics. It's still the same. And yet we want to be loved. That is the message of Christ, is a love that will take you to places that will be happily ever after. That even if you have the best marriage in this world, in this life, you still could be happy here, but you won't be happily ever after. That's what Jesus was about. And that was why his message was so powerful, why people came out to it. Sometimes we we talk about the church, and, and that's a good thing. And we talk about ourselves, and that's a good thing sometimes. But we don't talk about the message that ultimately God loves you, that he wants to give you what you're looking for, what you're pursuing in your life. You're not going to find it except through Christ. And that was the message that really did change the world. And for just one day, the world realized that they really want to be loved. And they admitted it. And they went on TV and they talked about it. And they got up early and they waved their banners and all those people in England came out to see it. But what we have is something so much greater right here. In Acts chapter 1 and verse 8, Jesus is speaking to the disciples... They asked him if they were going to restore the kingdom. And he says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria. And to the ends of the earth. That he was giving them a vision that they were going to take this message, this good news. To the entire world of their time. That they weren't just going to be little fishermen from Galilee anymore. That God was going to take them out Of their valley, quote-unquote, to change the world with that message. Today, we're going to look at Jerusalem and Judea and the ends of the earth. In Acts chapter 8, if you could turn over there with me. It's an amazing... uh, My pages are upside down here. In Acts chapter 8... Starting in, in Acts 7:57, the heart and the joy of missions. At this, they covered their ears. At Stephen, and the Jews yelling at the top of their voices, all rushed at him, dragged him out of the city, and began to stone him. Meanwhile, the witnesses laid their coats at the feet at, at the feet of a young man named Saul. While they were stoning him, Stephen prayed, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Then he fell on his knees and cried out, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. And when he had said this, he fell asleep, a.k.a. he died. And Saul approved of their killing him. On that day, a great persecution broke out against the church in Jerusalem, and all except the apostles were scattered throughout Judea and Samaria. Godly men buried Stephen and mourned deeply for him. But Saul began to destroy the church, going from house to house. He dragged off both men and women and put them in prison. Those who had been scattered preached the word wherever they went. Does that sound familiar to you? Because that's what our brothers and sisters are going through in the Middle East even now. That we have brothers and sisters in Syria that are fleeing for their lives. A brother from Yemen who's a disciple who can't talk to his wife about Christ because her parents are ISIS. And so he's he's been a disciple and his wife for like a couple years. His wife still doesn't know. Because she's hardcore ISIS too. And just imagine that's what they're going through in their lives and when you think of the mission, I don't necessarily think of this that they're they're burying their brothers. That they're they're getting kicked out of Jerusalem, they're getting scattered, they're running for their lives. But the thing that struck me was, do they look afraid? No. They're sharing the word wherever they went. They're not hiding. They're not cowering, they're not intimidated you know and it hit me sometimes we we can feel sorry for our brothers and sisters in the middle east can't we we can feel like oh poor babies over there you guys have such a hard life pobrecito (laughs) so with an s anyway you get my point poor babies you know, and if I was over in the Middle East and and people were kind of feeling sorry for me in that way, you know, that would be kind of offensive. Because they're disciples of Christ. Because they're who the person that they're following died on a cross. And so I think if we went over and they said, "Oh, I feel so sorry for you." I don't even the in 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 Syria, I don't think he would want our sympathy. Because he gets up every day for Christ. And wherever he's going, he he really wants to start churches where he's going. He's not just saying that because it sounds good. He's saying that because he's a disciple of Christ. And that really is inspiring to know how they're fighting for their faith. And to see the early Christians going around and God really sent this persecution to get them out of Jerusalem. Jerusalem. It was eight years and they were still there. He's like, I told you to go to all the world. Now get out of here. And they left sharing God's love, sharing the good news wherever they went. And it it mentions just casually there that Saul was there approving of their death. That even in those difficult times, that God was still preparing the the mission field, and the hearts for the future. You know, persecution for the gospel is, is, and was, and always will be connected to Jesus. Because he called people to change. He called people out of lethargy. He called people out of tradition. He called them to live a new life. And it was, it was, it's inspiring to know that we get to be a part of the same gospel, that that is the heart of the gospel. And we are moved when we see pictures like this because we know that that could be our brother, that could be our sister. We know that that's real, but that is their conviction that when they say Jesus is Lord, that they literally count the cost that I could die for my faith. And I'm okay with that. I want that, because I want the love that Christ has. I want to be with God, Amen. and sometimes we get persecuted and we feel like we're we're really persecuted in the hard way, right that people exclude us from parties that people don't want to invite us over, maybe that they make make fun of us because we're Jesus freaks or because we talk about the Bible too much. You know, I know our high school students go through that a lot. You know, but we can, I can, we can be, feel awkward even though we have the answers and we have the truth. You know, and I was inspired to see that the mission calls for boldness. It calls for them to be bold. Yeah, we, we got that. But it calls for us to be bold, too, to not care what people think about us, to not care if we're, quote unquote, persecuted for the gospel. But to not shrink back, to not worry about, to to want to please our father in heaven and not our friends and not our family here in this earth, because we have the best news of all time. God loves you and he wants to be with you. You know, if we really did we went some of us did the peace walk yesterday and we really are bringing peace to the Middle East. That if someone becomes a true Christian, then God calls them to love and pray for their enemies. He calls them to serve everyone and to not retaliate. That truly if The Middle East became Christians, we wouldn't have all the things that we had if they became true Christians. There wouldn't be the fear, there wouldn't be the bombings, there wouldn't be the war, there wouldn't be all those things. And that's what we get to be a part of. And I pray that we're proud of that. That we proclaim it. That we're excited about our brothers and sisters and about our faith. Because truly we have the good news. And as much as people get excited about royal weddings, I give these guys a better chance. Yeah. <laughs> Donald and Paige were married last weekend, and it was an amazing time. And we're proud of you. I share, we shared that last week. Uh, but now that you're back from your honeymoon, we can share it with you here. But to have a, a, a couple that put God first in their lives that was pure up until their marriage and that built that kind of trust and has this kind of support around them, I give them a way better chance than I give the royal family. No offense to them. But because God's the one that changes lives. You know, I want, if you were married in the church, if both of you were true Christians and you were married in the church, I want you to stand up. These people are the ones that are changing the world. Thank you guys, you can sit back down. Because God says that we are part of His royal family. That we are royal priests in 1 Timothy, 1 Peter 2. And He promises that when we walk with Him that we'll never be shaken. You know, I'm proud to be in a church that because, not because of how great we are, but because of God, that our marriages can thrive. I don't know exactly what the percentage is, but 90 plus percentages of our marriages in the church stay together for life. When they make the vow, till death do we part, that's what happens. We part at death. That's changing the world. That's giving people hope that relationships are possible, that men can be trusted, and that we can build families that really will change the world, restore hope, not have all of our kids be so not trusting of the world. The world is so not trusting. Why? Because of the marriages, because of the families, because if you can't trust dad, then who can you trust? If you can't trust mom, then who can you trust? And I'm proud of all of you, but mostly proud of God, that he has changed us, because I know for us, uh, that wasn't my example. I didn't have parents that put God first. And so I know Danielle didn't either. But because of God, we get to live out that dream and that joy. That's in Jerusalem, in Samaria, in Acts chapter 8, continuing in verse 5. It says, Philip went down to a city in Samaria and proclaimed the Christ there. When the crowds heard Philip and saw the miraculous signs he did, they all paid close attention to what he said. With shrieks, evil spirits came out of many and many paralytics and cripples were healed. So there was great joy in that city. That they were able to Go into an extremely challenging situation and have lives be changed. I mean, I don't know if you ever thought about that. That would be really weird to go there and you have a guy who's fake driving out demons and everybody's following him. And then have a, a, a disciple come in and drive out demons and heal the sick And back then they didn't have the Bible. So that was kind of their testimony to the truth of their message. But I love that line in verse 8. It says there was great joy in that city. And Samaria was a place that was filled with the teachings of God mixed with all the teachings of the world. They worshiped Baal and they worshiped the gods of the Babylonians and all these other foreign nations. And everybody followed fake preachers. I mean, everybody was all excited about this guy, Simon, until the truth came along. And I'm so grateful that we get a chance to lead people to the truth. That God is trying to help us to find him. And he sent Philip there so that they could find him. You know, my, I mentioned before, but this next weekend, I'm not going to be here because I'm going to be at my college reunion And it's been kind of a trip down memory lane, just thinking about it and coming up on 25 years, and that's where I became a Christian. And just thinking about the last 25 years, but not just for myself, but for all of you too. The things that God's mission gets us to do for God. You know, it's brought us all over the world. It's brought us into living rooms where people want to get divorced. And we're there with the Bible as kind of the last hope for their marriages. It's brought us in front of people that are struggling with purity, issues. And are on the verge of losing their families. It's brought me before three murderers. And studying the Bible with them and telling them, you know what? God loves you too. That you can change. That you can be different. That there's hope for your life. Even though you don't have hope for yourself, God has hope for you. It brings us before doctors, before professional athletes, and before homeless people. These are the people that God has used to touch my personal life. Before people that are struggling with addictions that are all alone. And their only hope is the good news. Their only hope is God's love, even though they don't know that's the hope, that that's where God puts each one of us. And I love this, that Peter went into Samaria and he didn't just preach at people from a distance, but he got in the mud with them. He got into their lives. He got into the details. And so many of you went... When we're on a mission with Jesus, he brings us to places that are extremely uncomfortable. Where we don't know what to say. Where we may or may not be able to relate. And all that we know sometimes is that God's word can change this person. And that's an amazing thing. Because without the mission, we wouldn't go those places. I know I wouldn't. I wouldn't hang out with people that I didn't get along with. If we didn't have the same interest, we wouldn't be hanging out. If you didn't like me, I wouldn't hang out with you. If we weren't, you know, going the same direction, and that's true for so many of us, but because of the mission, we get to learn and grow and learn how to love people that we don't understand. We learn how to love cultures that we didn't grow up with. To put ourselves in awkward and weird and difficult situations with the only purpose that I'm trying to love this person and help them know God. And it's not just me, but it's you. And the more that that mission is on our heart, the more that we're willing to put ourselves out there the more we're willing to persevere through difficult situations. The more, we're, the more hope we have for the person that everyone else has given up on. I don't know about you. I don't want to be that guy that gives up on people. Because as long as they're alive, God hasn't given up on them. And yes, it, it is hard. Yes, it, it does hurt. Yes, it is confusing. Yes, we feel powerless because only God can change a heart. And yet that's the beauty of seeing God work, of seeing him change lives and people that experience great joy that previously had no hope. That that's what many of us signed up for, and we're inspired by. I see our kids here. Rudy Navarrete. Some of you may know him from different teen events and things from Rancho. He grew up in the church, and recently his dad came back to God after being away for 10 years. After just throwing himself headlong into his career, getting in different sins that he shared publicly. So when his son Rudy became uh, graduated from high school, he didn't really want to have anything to do with the church. Why? Because he loved his dad. When dad was in the church, he was in the church. When dad turned away from church, he turned away from church. And so then his dad comes back, but already he had joined the, the Marines. I know we have a few Marines out here. And he started studying with some of the disciples at Camp Pendleton, was transferred to Camp Lejeune in North Carolina. And last weekend, he was baptized into Christ. And it was amazing. That is never the path that I would advise someone to become a Christian. Go join the Marines, get separated from the church and your family, and then God's going to work in your life. And yet the mission is not something that we can control. God is in charge. He takes our decisions even when they're stupid decisions. Not that the Marines is stupid. But he made a decision to get away from church. He made a decision to put walls up in his life. And then got away from it. Went into the military, escaped, and then, but God didn't let go of him. And neither did his family. And now he's got to be a disciple as an active Marine. Man, pray for him. You know, we think we have it hard, having a quiet time and being righteous. But with God's help, he can be a light Amen. to the ends of the earth. I'm, we got to close out here. You can read that later. But I do want to show you the churches here in the Middle East before we pray and take up our contribution. That before 1989, we had no churches there. And then in 89, they sent out the church to, oh, it's 89. I'm sorry, that one didn't get changed. In 1989, they sent it out to Cairo, Egypt, the One Suitcase Challenge. In 1990, oh, and also in Jordan in 1989. In 1990, we, they had disciples and a little Bible talk in Iraq. In 1992, they sent the church to Lebanon. In 1996, they sent the church to Turkey. That was a friend of ours' cousin that was baptized there and all his family. In 1996, they went to Syria. In 1996 as well, United Arab Emirates. 97, 1997, they went to Oman. And Tunisia was 1998. And there's not a church in Tunisia anymore. There's just... Some disciples there, but there's not enough really for a church. They went to Kuwait in 1998, and they ran in 1998, and there's not really a church in Iran anymore either. They went to Libya as well in 1999, and Qatar in 99, and Israel in 97, And there's just a few disciples left in, in, in Israel at this current moment, in Monaco in 2000. And Sudan in in 2001. And now from these churches, there's 700 disciples. And as Jake said, many, many, many churches over there. Some of them are doing well. Some of them are struggling. Some of them are just a few disciples. Some of them are 200 disciples. Some of them can meet together for worship. Most of them can't. And yet I pray that today that we connect with them as we give. And as we, we're going to have the kids come up and uh, lead us. And then, uh, so the kids are going to come up and then we're going to pass the baskets for the rest of us. And what we're going to do today is a little bit different, uh, where we're going to just worship God as we give. So we're going to be singing and really have it be an act of our worship. And I'm going to call the uh, singers up here. And then we'll have the kids and then we'll pass the baskets. Uh, Let me say a prayer here before we start. Uh, Father, we do thank you so much for this day. Uh, We thank you that you've blessed us in so many ways. I thank you for our brothers and sisters here in this room, here in Riverside and Rancho and in the Middle East and around the world. I pray that today as we give, that it won't be about uh, giving to a church, but we really give to you that we'll give sacrificially and joyfully as an act of our worship. God, we love you. We need you. We thank you for the love that you've given us and the ability to be able to give back. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen.